All right. Well, welcome to Only Real Fans, uh, season two, episode 37? 37, 37, I think. 37. Today we're talking about our probably second my favorite. Your second favorite? I think it's actually my first favorite um, British show. Well, of all I, time. I, I, meant, I more meant like we are talking about our second, like on the show, favorite British pot sitcom. Hundred percent, but I still stand by that this might be one of my favorite shows of all time. This show agreed, and that 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 came from the fact also that Simon told me like a year or two ago that the fucking writer and creator of this show is the guy who went and created Succession. It's so nuts to me, and right? like, <clears throat> and I, while I was re the show is Fresh Meat, by the way, everybody, yeah, fre Fresh Meat, British created show by I've Jesse Armstrong. Yeah, uh, starring um, Joe Thomas from Inbetweeners, and uh, if anyone knows him, if they're a comedy fan, Jack Whitehall um, travels with my father, Jack Whitehall. But this is pretty much, I think, his real and bad, start. Bad Education. And Bad Education. Who are the other stars? There's, uh, um, well, I don't think outside of this show, I think those are the only two who really went on to have, like, uh popular like acting yeah acting careers we, i think the rest of them either are a little under the radar or just kind of done other things except um except Christi uh, christine is it christine ritchie is that her name i think so um, let's let's give let's give proper credit to all the stars so i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. look them up right now um fresh meat british comedy show here we go kimberly so, nixon who played josephine josie charlotte ritchie Charlotte Ritchie. Greg Mahew, who played Howard, probably one of my favorite characters ever written on a fucking show. He's the and man. Zawa Aston, who is engaged to Tom Hiddleston and also joining the MCU very soon. She's actually had a pretty I big didn't career. Know that. Yeah, yeah. She's her career's really kind of taken off, actually. And I think well deserved because Vaud yeah. is She's fantastic in this. Yeah, dude. She's like She's such a good character, and it's so funny to me that if you watch her in an interview, she's nothing like Vaud, but she plays the type of person that everyone wants to be. Like how there are certain seasons where the girls in there, like uh, Oregon, played by Charlotte uh, Ritchie, and even uh, Kimberly Nixon, they try to become more and more like Vaud. Like season one where they're buying her clothes, and then the se later seasons with Jabo, where ja <laughs> Jabo is just... A rendition of uh, of Vaud. It's so. At least funny. she admits it. Like Oregon tried to hide that she was copying her. Yeah, the whole shoes yeah. thing was just great. Yeah. Oregon in the first season is really such a weird character because she's trying so hard to be something she's not. She's recreating herself in college, which I I can relate to. I tried to do that for like a week. I was like, no more Dylan. Call me Aunt. Uh, Jesus fucking Christ! They wouldn't yeah. have been friends with you. Yeah, no, it's actually, dude, the funniest thing about it was that I told everyone to call me by my middle name, Anthony or Antonius, and people would be like, yo, Tony, yo, Ant, and I would just keep fucking walking because I was so not used to being called that. I didn't know they were talking to me. <laughs> Did not take off. Yeah, I can't say I tried to reinvent myself in college. I was very much so me. Yeah, I well, you both. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you're Vaught then. Yeah. Um, Everyone so wanted to be me. I saw people, they put extensions in their shoes to be taller. To be as tall as you. <laughs> yeah. Moon well, shoes, so even. A little bit of a breakdown of what the show is. The show is definitely a spiritual sequel to the other show that we were talking about, um, Inbetweeners, but far less irreverent. Inbetweeners is much more just laugh out loud, relatable, stupid situations that eventually also become hyperbolic. Like there's certain situations those guys get into that are just so outrageously dumb, especially in the movies, that they're no longer relatable. They're just like, you know, exaggerated versions of things we've all gone through and not a lot of emotion, I think, behind it. Whereas yeah. Fresh Meat kind of starts out that way. It's insanely funny. Um, but it's also very... Um, emotional it's it's insanely relatable it it feels almost like a british version of john hughes to me like someone who took teenagers or college kids seriously and just like really gave you a way to relate to all the things that you go through when you're trying to find yourself in college i can see that yeah, yeah. like the first season i like with uh 
Oregon's horse passing away and and JP's dad passing away, the emotional drive behind those characters having to like deal with loss, you know, first time serious loss, I guess you could say. It's very uh-huh. emotional and very relatable. And I don't know. I that's why I think at the end of the day it wins out as my favorite British show, because there's a lot more that it has going for it than just the humor, which again is laugh out loud funny. Yeah. It's also funny how or not funny, interesting how like uh Oregon's horse dying is what makes her get out of her lies. Um it's like she finally admits to being posh. Um yep. you know, just kind of reveals more more truth about herself because she's just at a point where and they found out a real name, Melissa, uh, because she's just at a point where like she's so burdened by like the loss of her like childhood horse that she she just she can't keep it up anymore and like just yeah needs um I don't not not needs the sympathy, but like uh she, she can't put on the act. She's just she's at her end. Emotionally. No, that's a really that's actually a really good read that, you know, something like that traumatic makes you evaluate the the things that mean more. And I don't know, like the you can make the argument that that's a moment she gets really close to her housemates and decides to like take them in because she has that loss. She needs something new in her life and those those people are there for. Her. It drives me really emotionally when you see that they're all there for her with that even though it's a horse. Although I do love the scene where she's like, my horse is dying. And JP's like, that's not the same thing at all. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's talking about how her horse is dying. He goes, yeah, uh, it's my dad. Like, it's not even the same. But the, and then JP has a heart to heart with the horse when he's tripping. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's like the thing. Like, he kind of comes to understand like that loss is really in the eye of the beholder. Like he like that whole scene he has with the horse is really just this, a surrogate for his dad. Yeah. Right. And. It's very emotional, and uh, and it gets me even more like emotional when I see all of his friends come to his the dad's funeral just to be there for him. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was a really great moment. It was a really great moment, and they give every character some version of that, which I really appreciate. You know, like you could look at the later seasons where Josie and um, Kingsley are finally together. By the way, anybody watching or listening to this, we should just. I always say spoilers, spoilers ahead. Definitely go watch the show. Like I can't recommend the show enough, but watch some of the show before you come and listen to our podcast. That's yeah. I think the general rule. I mean, um, how, how are you going to tune into a review podcast and not know what we're talking about? You know, exactly, exactly. So I think every time we start the show, right, we should just <laughs> say like, please, if you haven't gone to watch it, cause we're terrible at telling people weeks ahead of time, what will be dropped. So it just drops please just go watch it. Like we'll remind you before you even start the podcast. Um, but you see that later in the seasons with Josie and, and Kingsley, like they have a relationship where they clearly do love each other, but it's just not working. And coming to terms that hit me really hard. Like how you can be with someone that you absolutely love, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship works, you know? Uh And, they have to realize that, you know, that they yeah. totally love each other. They're just, it's just not working. And she has that line that really makes me very emotional where she says, I don't want this to go to the point where I can't hate you anymore. I want you to still be in my life. Yeah. You know, you're so important to me that I don't want to get to a point where you're not here, you know? And that's, that's crazy. Uh, I think relationship maturity to like recognize that and to be, you know, okay with that. That, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's something. Yeah, and and Kingsley's not ready for that, which was just so amazing, right? He keeps saying like, "No, it will work out. We'll be happy, and we'll live long lives together, and have children, and like just like the manic sort of emotions that you're that you get when you're so head over heels for someone that you can't see logically that this it's just going to bring you to the end of your uh, your relationship with that person. You're going to end up hating that person if you keep this up, you know. And but also what what makes that. Uh work and and be so believable that it's like it's Josie the one who's being like mature and how she's ending things and he's a little more like gripping onto us because it's safe to assume that she's probably his first love because it was also the first time he had sex was with Josie um and he is always something he's throughout the whole show like you see him trying to like figure out what he wants to do be a geologist be a musician be a drama kid 
Like he's just he's so he's someone who's all over the place, but still like he keeps it steady in terms of like he's never like fucking up as in like Josie who has to like stay behind a year because like she yeah. made all these mistakes and like Josie dealing with it. Yeah. So this is more Kingsley dealing with his issue, but she's the one presenting it. Josie's issue is actually we could get into that too, completely different. She's dealing with like completely different problems in college. But continue. Sorry, I cut you off. <clears throat> yeah. So it's like he's still on his own path to figure out um, what he wants in life or like even even who he would want to be with long term. Um, but she is, during that moment, she's in her upward path, like her redemption from getting kicked out of the dental program, going to that other school to study zoology and then leaving that to come back here and do pharmacology. Like she's very much so trying to like right her wrongs and uh, yeah. and mature. And, and you see her deal with that too at the end of the show because she's left alone. And that that emotion, by the way, we'll get to it, is another amazing relatable piece of um, piece of the show is the passing of time. You know, mm -hmm. I think like all sitcoms kind of do that a little well too. Like when sitcoms end, they usually show it. Like I think of Friends a lot, like a, a piece of people's lives where they're really close. But when that show ends, you also know that the characters are actually split up. Like, you know, Chandler and Monica have children now. Joey ends up moving to LA. Like they all have their own lives that start to go in different directions. But it's less emotional a sitcom because it's just the main sort of it's all cheesiness. It's all main cheesy jokes and cheesy sort of love stories. And like that's it's more just eye candy. This show confronts you with that emptiness and that aloneness of the passing of time. Like all the characters move on and you know they'll never be as close as they were when they lived together. Um that's just a, Joe, uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say that's just the strength to um to Jesse Armstrong when it comes to characterization. Like um, like in Succession, I definitely don't relate to any of those characters, and they're all like pieces of shit. Like there's literally, you rarely like any of the characters on a fundamental level, but you're very invested in them because of how well they're written. And that's the same thing with this show. Like except there's more relatability because it's like them going through college, and we've all we've, we've all, all been, been there. there and like gone through like those um, eras of like discovering ourselves and like evolving. Um, but they're also like generally like not that not that great of people for the most no. part. They all have their like terrible. They uh, all do mistakes. shit that none none of us would do. You know, right. I'm not gonna drill a hole in someone's fucking cheek. Exactly, but you still root for you still root for them, and you yeah. get invested in them, and that's just some, that's just a strong talent of Jesse Armstrong. Yeah, absolutely. His his ability to make you feel related to these characters, and this is again, like you said, this is an easier relation than something like secession um but it's still it's still very very strong it think i think a little bit about how simon and i were talking about simon our friend he's been on the podcast before we were the talking douche, about the, the didgeridoo the, the didgeridoo um talked about martin mcdonough another great british writer and his last film banshees of anishirin that was to simon his best movie because he makes the stakes so high with a story that's so simple and yeah. when you think Good of something point. like Three Billboards, which I really like, another one of his films, the stakes are a lot easier to make you care because the stakes are so high. You know, it's mm -hmm. about a mom who lost her daughter um, uh, from rape and murder. And it's just, you immediately care about that. The story's so dark that you have to care about that. The same with Woody Harrelson's character who's dying of cancer. It's easy to care about those things. So same here with uh, Fresh Meat and Succession. I feel like Fresh Meat, it's an easier way to make people care because we've all been going through these things that these kids go through. So you immediately feel that connection. But that doesn't mean that the writing uh, can uh, doesn't still have to be good. Like it's still a testament to Jesse Armstrong's ability to make those characters so relatable that even when they go off the rails in certain directions, you still feel that connection or like you're saying, you still root for them. It's just, mm -hmm. it's really fucking amazing writing. Even if the characters you don't care about, you end up really like still wanting to see them succeed. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I thought about it a lot after watching it. And like all of them have their, um, their comeuppance, like they get their wins, except Oregon. She is like the only one who at the end of the day never really gets like a triumphant victory. She's always going on this like kind of downward path only one well 
Which what is are the, what are wild. the downward thing? What are the downward things for Oregon? Let's let's look at them for a second. Uh, she right, breaks can... a guy's dick. Well, if we're going in order, oh, going in order. Yeah, that happens way later. Uh, yeah. Affair with her professor Tony, and then if you want to consider the horse dying one, you can. Um, that's just you can't really control. Well, let's that, say though. let's say that that's not part of it because it's not in her control. Yeah, but it's just the things that happen to her are just yeah. not great. So then there's that. Then it's she. Then she becomes an intern for Tony's wife, um, and wants to fuck her mind. Yeah. <laughs> and then she meets their unknowingly meets and starts dating their son Dylan. Uh, and then uh, truly my the... favorite fucking part of the whole show still is that whole arc is the fact that she's dating the guy's son who she had an affair with and she has no idea. Did you know? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, geez. You know what's funny? We've been quoting that wrong the entire time. Really? It's, yeah, kind of geez, sorry. <laughs> Bit of a mind fuck, huh? <laughs> Actually, JP's character in this, I was watching this show in tandem with um, Wilfred. JP's character reminds me a little bit of Wilfred. Just oh, like a, yeah, right? just like yeah. a this debauchery sort of bad influence that you still care about and want to see succeed in some aspects. But let's keep going on yeah. Oregon's yeah. downfall. So, all, all right, right. So season then, two. Yeah, so then she's with Dylan, and then both of the parents find out that she's with him and want him to end it or want her to end it with him. And then he finds out from hearing, overhearing Oregon and Tony talk about how they like don't want him to know that they hooked up so then that happens they break up and then season three is that is when she wants to like be like active or she has the yeah union president right or before that's like volunteering for this uh is, is it for the union she's just in some support group or something and then she hooks up with the um potential refugee that they're like protecting breaks his dick um throughout this whole thing tony is also like stalking her and um she writes a play a terrible play that's based on the whole house and, oh yeah and tony is the only one who gives her a glowing review and a paper under an anonymous name uh, everyone else trashes it and then she becomes the union president, and everybody hates her. She has a terrible job and does some unethical. Well, things she takes with away the funding from the from the disabled rugby <laughs> team. <laughs> On top of all the other sports programs, she's just dishing them out just for poetry, just to support poetry <laughs> that nobody gives a shit about, <laughs> dude. And so, uh, just like we're well, talking about well, all the downers of the show, um, but then it's not oh, even, yeah. it's not even over yet. <laughs> oh yeah, she then fails. She, then she graduates with a two-two which I looked up is roughly like equivalent to like a D. Yeah. Uh, and then she gets into, uh, she tries to get a Fulbright scholarship. That doesn't go well. She gets rejected from that. And then she tries to get into this MA, I think it's MA program for like publishing a book. She gets in despite having a 2-2 and thinks she like did something incredible. Um, yeah, it was Tony, But it turns yeah. out it was Tony's the reason she got in, and now like that's her fate. Is like she needs to ride the coattails of Tony in order to make make it anywhere in her career right now. <laughs> yeah, but she eventually comes away understanding that she doesn't need her parents' approval to do what she wants to do, and goes on and tries to become a novelist without the the marks and without the, all the accolades that you need, all the all the gatekeeping yeah. that would go through that. She doesn't she doesn't end up uh, subscribing to it and tries to do what she loves anyways. So, but, which is. Which is true. That that would be her light at the end of the road. But when you compare it to what everyone else has done and their full circle like coming of age in this whole series, it's like she's not there yet. Everybody else is kind of there. Ah, uh, Kingsley's not. You can make the argument that Kingsley is also riding on the coattails of JP. It's only through JP's kindness that he's able to live with him in London rather than move back in with his mother. That's so, true. Oh, and that's and then you I'm, could make a reading, sorry to sorry to continue really quick, but you could make almost this reading as to why maybe that's why Oregon tries to put a move on uh, Kingsley at the end because they're the only two characters that shit didn't go well for. So maybe they point. were always meant to be together. Yeah, good point. Um, but also a really funny parallel between Fresh Meat and uh, In Betweeners is Joe Thomas's character in both shows 
gets so unbelievably pissed off and embarrassed by his mom. Yeah, that's completely true. <laughs> it's the same mom. It's his twin brother or something. Um, Could be. I, I mean, just the start off of that show, like we're talking about all the downers. We should also talk about some of the hilarious the shit in there. The uppers, yeah, yeah. But just the start off of that show, like when you find out about Kingsley's mom and he's telling that girl about it and and uh, Howard thinks it's all bullshit, that he's like, uh, you're just saying that story so you could get into that girl's pants. And he's like, no, that was all true. He goes, wow, and that was pretty gay, mom. he's like this is how i'm howard this is my friend the pussy man (laughs) like like, just the just some of the sheer writing in there to keep it light you know like just i don't i don't know i don't know if actually any of the situations are funny it's just somehow the way that they talk to each other that can be really funny although there's definitely some situations that's another thing about jesse armstrong though is he is he is great at like just really funny dialogue where it's not like it's not like bits in terms of like um like punchlines. It's just like the manner in which the characters speak and react and like their tone with each other is just funny. Like there's so many times in succession I'm dying laughing and it's like it's not because someone did something that's particularly like funny. It's just the way that they say it and react that like the lines that they come up with is ridiculously funny. Just like yeah, this show, I would might I might want to watch that because I sometimes feel like is it just the accent that makes like people like me or you who are Americans into the show because like certain things in a British accent just to me always sound funnier like when uh, uh, even again the first episode when um, JP draws a pencock on Howard's head and then and then he's trying to like uh, Kingsley's trying to talk to him about it later and he just goes pencocks are gonna happen mate it's just a part of living together and like that's <laughs> such a funny line of me. But I don't know if that would be as funny if I heard it. It's just not something that the American, like, accent or syntax would, like, would ever say. I would never say pencocks are going to happen, man. That's not how I would describe those. Yeah. Dick, dick drawings, you know, just pencocks just sounds hilarious. Well, I think that's, again, credit to Jesse Armstrong and, and Sam, Sam Bain, I believe. You know, got to give credit to both creators. Um just a, a unique way of um, creating dialogue. Like, I can't imagine the average British person would say Pencock. No, probably not. You're definitely <laughs> right. But in my mind, everyone talks like they do in Fresh Meat. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, but there's just there's just so much humor sprinkled into some like more serious things that there's... just keep it keep it light to where you can still enjoy it. It's not a dark show by any means. Um, no, the the emotional moments are more of a more of an uplifting sense than they are like a depressing sense. Yeah, hundred percent. It's about their friendship. Like they're all about friendship, them yeah, they're all friends. Yeah. Even though they're all very different, it's really difficult to see the scenes where they have to like cater to Howard. Like when Howard doesn't know that they're not going to live together, and he's trying his hardest to just create this like the the household um, in London so he can feel comfortable. Um, <laughs> but I love when he finds out he's like. <laughs> like they're all like avoiding the t- conversation and he goes I'm not an idiot like he just like gets really angry I can tell by the way you guys are talking to me that something's wrong I'm not a fucking idiot <laughs> like because they almost think Howard's not human that they can just like not say anything to him and he would just think everything's normal yeah he's like oh. the, like the puppy dog <laughs> why okay why don't we we're moving away a little bit from Oregon and the like the downers of what happens to characters maybe we would talk a little bit about the Howard's arc but why is, because I know we've talked about this as well, why is Howard one of the greatest characters ever written on television? Like, what makes him unique? Because we both agree, I think, the accent. that... You think, you think it's the accent? It helps. It do, It definitely does help, but... Like, how can how can a line like, hello, Shabin, be that funny? It's the I, accent. <laughs> it's got, yeah, so it's definitely Greg Mahew's performance it's definitely know. his performance. He just nails it. But I think he might have won an award for this show, like a Scottish award. Really? I mean, he's he's amazing in it. But I just really want to know what like makes him because the character arc, or the, sorry, the character um, blueprint is not something we haven't seen before. Like we've all seen the nerdy, weird sort of like guy, like just the just the awkward one, right? That's kind of what he is. But what makes him so unique? Um, I think what helps though is um, he's 
like yes he they do a good job at making him on the surface check off all those stereotype boxes about like the nerd but he's also just so not that like yes he's a hacker and yes he likes doing um more uh un non-traditional nerdy things such as like playing a knockoff minecraft that is better because it's not popular like minecraft and doing a land party with people um being insanely into geology like a just a geology nerd like, i'll um, get enough sediment <laughs> but like there's also just more more to him than that not in a way that it's forced and also the fact that like despite all those traits about him like he is the one who i think is universally liked and appreciated by the entire house like none of them they get weird out by howard at times but like none of them ever like despise him they all like him and especially jp like he and jp are like best friends which is amazing i love their friendship yeah i agree i feel like he's the hardest one for anyone to get along with but at the end of the day he's probably the most reliable one for any of them i would also mm -hmm. say maybe i'm wrong so correct me if i'm wrong but howard is kind of the only character who gets into down like outright shenanigans like the other characters have situations going on in their lives that lead them to doing funny things. So I, I was wrong before. It's not just dialogue. Situationally, the show is also extremely funny. Like yeah, absolutely. First episode, J Josie has sex with JP, and just the situ like the setup of them ending up being roommates is already hilarious. Is just uh -huh. such a good setup and so funny. And the same thing in season. I, I think it's the end of season one, right? Where like uh, Kingsley goes to like meet her. And yeah. she's just banging JP because he walks in the room. I couldn't find you. Might be one of my favorite excuses I've ever heard for having sex That's with someone else's excuse. It's <laughs> literally the worst excuse. But, but um, Howard to me is the only one who gets into outright shenanigans. Like shenanigans. He, yeah, like like he um, when he's waiting for the phone is a shenanigan oh my to God. me. Like, like the fact that he's waiting that long for the phone call is a shenanigan. The fact that he... That is uh, honestly one of the most relatable Howard moments for me. 100%. Because I, I have done that too and like been like, I'm not going to lose. Nah. And then the other one to me is when he goes on a complete sort of like mystery mission to find out what's like um, the break-in. You know, like he's like trying to solve the break-in. Oh, that, yeah that or he's also or uh, he's lost in london or he's lost in london exactly like he gets into actual shenanigans that's so funny to me um and it just it's great setups apparently that jumanji line when he screams that was all improv like he <laughs> just screams jumanji as he orgasms is just such a funny thing they also just they subvert the expectations with howard so well that it makes it great like the one of my favorite jokes and you know this is one of my favorite jokes is that he just hates lord of the rings like yeah. he has, he has no interest in Lord of the Rings, but a, a character arc for someone like Howard is he should love Lord of the Rings and he just fucking hates it. And anybody that thinks he likes it, he gets pissed off because he's like, I don't watch movies about magical fucking jewelry. <laughs> like it's such a funny. And then you're watching them thinking, neither do I. I don't like fantasy. I don't like fantasy. We can get in that conversation again if you want to, but no, it's Simon agreed with me by the end of it. And actually it might be an interesting question for the viewer. My favorite films are the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy. But I will maintain that- and Game I'm, of Thrones was one of your favorite shows. And Game of Thrones was one of my favorite shows, but obviously I didn't like the ending like anything, like everybody else didn't. But I am not a fantasy person. I don't read fantasy books. I don't uh, enjoy, I never really got into Harry Potter. I don't even really, I don't even like the extended, extended editions of Lord of the Rings. I think that's my biggest uh, piece of evidence is I don't enjoy the- I only like the theatrical versions because the extended versions to me get too weird with the fantasy. Like I'm not in it for the fantasy elements. I'm in it because I think Lord of the Rings is an amazing story and it's so well executed and it's just such a well put together film that I enjoy all those aspects of it. So my argument always is when fantasy is done wrong, it's extremely nerdy and difficult to get into and it's definitely not for me. But when fantasy's done just right, doesn't tip over the scale into nerdiness, but it's just enough, it's probably one of the greatest genres for really, really good storytelling. And Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings are great examples of that. That's my argument. 
Yeah, it's a it's a good argument. Um, so I, I I agree with Howard. <laughs> I'm not into wizards and magical fucking jewelry. feel like that's maybe another thing that just makes Howard so funny is some of those subversions of just like what you expect from him versus what he actually is him especially in the last episode when he's like the doorman and he's just gotten so good at being like uh popular my lady bitches and my man bitches <laughs> um so but his fucking bucket hat on fucking oh yeah he's yeah he puts that on he grabs it with such intent you know going oh from God. going from a guy who hangs pecan ducks naked to a guy who can operate the door like that is just fucking awesome and also uh, like the what was it it was all like season two he was so into his job of the arbitoire yeah the arbitoire. getting all the the raw for, the raw like sketchy meats left dude his, meats. his his buffet uh, oh my strategy God. is just so good. That is, and it, I think that inspired the way I navigate buffets truly without thinking about it. Like besides like the trash bag, take things to go. Like I've done every single move that he's done in a buffet. Yeah. Like that's the thing about Howard is he's like this weird, uh, crazy genius. Like that's even what Vaud uh, says to him when he's, there's such a fine line between genius and madness isn't there. But everything to Howard is a game of how you can win and that to me is actually what makes him so funny is even mm -hmm. like when they talked about is he on Facebook he goes to try to put a week I won like just like he like <laughs> I won Facebook you know like the concept of winning everything everything's a competition you have to win it all is that's so funny I was really sad though that I guess you could also make arguments that Howard fails in a lot of spaces like when he when he was going to go on a date with Sam and uh, he yeah, screws I, it up. He makes it like a, a friendship, but he had the opportunity to make it more romantic. Well, and that's because JP got into his head. Yeah. Because JP wanted to go out with her. Speaking that, of yeah. Sam. Uh, Played by this, who, by the way? Uh, by Hannah Britlin. Who yeah. is Abigail in Lovesick? I know she is. I know, yeah, but no, I didn't. I really actually like I. Well, I didn't. I watched Lovesick well after I first watched Fresh Meat. So like watching Lovesick and seeing her on there, I was like, she looks familiar. And I could never piece it together. And like even like looking her up, I, I couldn't figure it out, even though it said Fresh Meat. Then rewatching it and seeing her pop up as Sam, I was like, holy shit, that's why. What's her name? Hannah Britlin? Yeah, Hannah Britlin. <clears throat> um, Another um, young cameo, which I don't, I don't know if, I don't think you watched this show, but... Um, is the in season four nick mohammed is nas um oregon's like right hand guy for while well, she's like president union president and he yeah. plays one of the main characters in um ted lasso nathan shelley oh really yeah oh, i didn't know that i don't watch ted lasso which i figured i was like oh. holy shit there's so much more shit i want to talk about with this show but now we're kind of on to that sam tangent um She's fantastic, and she's also fantastic in, um, lovesick. in Lovesick, but she was great in the show because she plays this sort of, she's almost the like, same character. Pretty much the same character, yeah, but I'm, I'm, maybe she's not that good of an actor. I don't know. Maybe this is just but the only character she can well. play. But she plays, plays it, it so well. well, and it's it's kind of like another version of Vaude. It's a girl with such strong confidence that you, you can't help but be attracted to her, um, and that's obviously why all three guys in the house at some point are attracted to her yeah and jp that's when jp really has to deal with that you know first time not being loved back like i think that's very similar to what kingsley goes through i feel like that was actually jp's first love and it just wasn't working out and uh or she just didn't love him back and he couldn't deal with that and it's so it was so uplifting to see him albeit on coke like finally get over her like finally just like say like I, you know, I can't remember exactly what he said. You watched it uh, more recently than me, so maybe you could tell me. But it was something along the lines of, like, I can't make you like me. Like, I, it's okay, or sort of thing, you know? Yeah, it was it was along those lines. Or I can't make you love me. Yeah, and I really enjoyed his Coke scene of, like, again, just the humor in there. The situation's so great. He's so hopped up on Coke that he's cleaning the entire house. And he's just, like, 
Another line. Done. Another cabinet. Done. Yes, I fucking love cleaning. <laughs> it's so funny. So that was really well. That's really well done. But the the whole arc of her and Kingsley having a sort of thing. And like that's really starting to show you now that Kingsley and Josie are not men for each other. She's having a great time next door with like four dudes. Yep. Um, we want our boxes back. And J- Kingsley's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then he's having a great time with Sam because they have the same interest in music. Um, the, I will never, I really, really enjoy the whole thing where JP took a video of him scrolling through the text messages and they have that sort of, uh, what what was it? What is it called? A tête-à-tête, like just like a back and forth of, what if I told you that I'll show Josie the text message? Well, what if you? What if I told you that I deleted those text messages? What if I told you that I took a video of myself scrolling through those text messages before you delete them? What if I told you to show me that? What if I showed you this? And then it just does. <laughs> I'd say I'll invite Sam to the parties. <laughs> that that's so funny. So well done. Um. Yeah, what else, man? Well, Kingsley's terrible career as a musician is hilarious. <laughs> His neck thing is... It's what like, reminds you... me of D doing stand-up. With yeah. the... <laughs> what the fuck are you doing with your neck? What are you talking about? <laughs> a cool watcher, mate. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, dude, Timothy. Oh, actually, but wait. Uh, yeah. Before we move on to Timothy, um, I found this out, like, literally... Like an hour ago before we recorded. Um, I never knew this and I haven't watched it yet, but I just I caught wind of it, like just looking up the show again. That um that Joe Thomas and Charlotte Ritchie made a music video for that song. The Implodion no way. song. Yeah, they made it and made it like very like purposefully like the style of like a really shitty artsy student film like music video. That's so funny. I need to watch that. Yeah, well, it's me also too. so funny that she's so good at it. Like she's so much better at being a musician. <laughs> what we're all her band names. Like the band names were just so good, and Kingsley kept coming up with reasons why he didn't like any of the band names. Yeah. Well, if androids dream of electric sheep, Adam, he just like some of the worst lyrics I've ever heard in my life. Oh my god, it was so sitting on a window. <laughs> it's just like this, this unbelievable neck thing. That's so funny. Yeah, but I think um, I think that actually I have no idea where I was going to go with that. That it inspires you to make music? No, 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 no. Um, no. What was I talking about right before that with um, Kingsley? And, oh, yeah, yeah. I want to get to Timothy, but like the Kingsley and Sam thing was like a really good. Uh, I don't know, way of showing just how Josie and Kingsley can love each other, but they clearly aren't really meant for each other. And I would say that Hannah Britland's performance is so well done because any any guy would be interested in a girl like that. And that's why all three of those guys are just like at some point or another head over heels mm-hmm. for um for them. I would say the one like love interest or sort of arc that I thought wasn't well done was um Howard and the the girl in the house. I forget her name now. Oh. Candice. Yeah, Candice, because they kind of just drop that really quickly. Well, they also, because yeah, they dropped her. She didn't show up in the last season, yeah. So they had to cut it off. Whether that's whether that was a creative choice or she like quit the show or like couldn't just couldn't show up for filming or something. Yeah, that's I guess true. But it just felt like it fell off, and then yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because she's not there. How else do you really handle that? And he wants to go back to Shabine. Shabine. But I got I think, a question for you though about regarding yeah. Sabine. Uh, when you were working at Storm, did you ever work on anything? Any Dutch films or projects that she was in? I worked on three of them. Really? Yeah, I did. Yeah, nice. actually, she came to the office twice. No way. Yeah, that's nah, cool. I didn't, did you I didn't... did you greet her with "Hello, Shabine"? No, man. I really wish I did, but I by the th- the first time that she came to the office, I was still an intern, so it was a little inappropriate, I think, for me to even talk to her. And she only ever really came for viewings to see the uh, the shows that she was in. But she worked on, was it for two or three? Definitely at least two films. She's like in a lot of Dutch movies. Do you remember um, the names? Yeah. Hausfrau bestaan niet twee. Okay. House, uh, like housewives. I actually don't know what bestaan niet means. Let me, 
Look actually it just popped up on IMDb. It did? Yeah. She's the star in that one. It's kind of like a raunchy bridesmaid sort of Dutch version thing. Mm. And then she was in another one called The Club from Lelika Children, or Gindera, which means like the Club of Ugly Children. And it's sort of like a 1984 film for kids. Like this guy in a dystopic future hates ugly kid children. So he's kind of like a Hitler of ugly kids. And they stuck they stick ugly kids in these camps and shit for working. And it's like a book in Holland. And she's uh, the mom in it. What a wild concept. It was, it's a very strange film. So I worked on, actually, so yeah, the third one was the TV show of that. She's in there too. Uh, um, but yeah, so she's in a lot of, she's in a lot of that stuff. And she came to the office a couple of times. I never really got to talk to her, but I really wish I did because I wanted to tell her like that show still, like I, like we're talking now is absolutely one of my favorite shows. And I've seen it now three times through last time was probably in 2017 though. So it's been a while. Um, but you rewatched it. No, no, I'm saying the last time before this podcast, I hadn't seen it for like four, uh, four years. Gotcha. Um, and it just, I was like, well, maybe it doesn't hold up. Maybe I won't enjoy it as much, but that was absolutely not the case. Like, in fact, I just enjoyed it more. Um, and I would want to watch it again. You know, I just, I, I thought it was so, so good. But absolutely. when I was recommended the show, you know how I like to talk about my Dutch roots. A friend of mine at a job I had like eight years ago, um, she recommended the show and said, you should totally watch this if you like, um, in betweeners, that show is definitely better. And I was like, how can anything be better than the in betweeners? The in betweeners is the best fucking thing like out there. Like that was my opinion on British shit. She goes, no, I'm telling you, watch it. You'll like it. So it was the summer. I had a lot of time and I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. I started watching the show, but she never told me that a Dutch woman was in it. And like when season two came on and uh, uh, Sabine joins the household, I was so pleasantly shocked that she didn't like she and I t went to my friend the next day at work. I was like, you didn't tell me that there's like a Dutch character in there. And she goes, yeah, I want to keep that a surprise for you. How's the uh, rendition? I go, that might be the best Dutch performance I've ever seen in anything, including our own show that we just did. Like, I don't know. I mean, dude, it's so perfect. It's so perfect. Like, I don't know if Jesse Armstrong did that or if they just kind of let her go off on like some like uh, tangent, but they just made her so perfectly uptight and serious about shit and so fucking honest on things yeah. that her characterization is perfect and hilarious. You're not very nice people. I don't very like you. Like, it's just like, it's, she's so fucking Dutch. Like, especially her invitation to Howard to like go upstairs to her room and have sex. Like, I'm yeah. feeling very horny today, Howard. Is this uh, the, I'll be up in this, my room. Is this the word you use? Uh, fuck buddy? Fuck buddy? Buddy fuck? Fuck. We have sex. <laughs> like, <laughs> and walks away. <laughs> and I'm very horny because I'm ovulating. What's the, one of my favorite Howard, Howard lines, and like, but I can't, I don't have it like nailed down. And such a small line too that I should, is when he's, when he walks into the room, and she goes, hello, Howard. Hello, Shabine. Okay. We've checked off the small talk. See you later. <laughs> that one's great. And then the other Howard line that I love, Howard, again, another reason why I love him so much is delivery of the lines, but they give him some of the best dialogue. People, it, there's such an interesting like ways to read this, but I always feel like everyone thinks Howard's the weirdo, but in more than often than not, the situation is that someone else is acting weird because Howard is around and he's just there, just being yeah. normal. Like when Oregon walks in with all those bags and she's like carrying them, she's like, I'm really, really strong. Um, and then I don't know how the conversation leads to it, but she's like probably got a penis somewhere I wouldn't know about. Just sort of a thing to happen to me, having a penis that I didn't know about. And then Howard just goes, yes, well, certainly one of the more memorable hallway conversations. <laughs> like walks out. <laughs> like, because... She's just trying to cover her tracks that she has a car. So she's doing everything she can to not mention she has a car. And Howard's just standing there. He's not even saying anything. And then when uh, Fawd pretends that it's her boyfriend, I'm fucking uh. serious about you, Howard. <laughs> it's so, uh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. Just... The... We're in an open relationship. What? No. no I fucking no. love you. I'm serious about you. <laughs> and you're serious about me. Then... Why are you kissing him? <laughs> <laughs> Howard is, uh, yeah, he's just got some of the best lines. But I also think the dynamic between 
again, all the characters, but the dynamic between uh, Kingsley and JP also can sometimes be so funny. Like JP also has some just real hilarious moments. And I think his characterization, we haven't really talked about JP yet, uh, yet, but you start out fucking hating him, dude. Like he's just the worst person. Yep. And they do such a good job of changing that uh, that opinion. Not to bring it back to fantasy, but it's almost like it, it's comparable to me like Jamie Lannister. You hated Jamie Lannister because he pushes a kid out the window. But by the end of that show, you fucking love that guy because you see him completely change. That's and true. It's the exact same thing with JP. Like JP fucking sucks when he starts out. And then you start to meet the people that bullied him. And then you start to meet his brother, Tomothy. And just his like situation and you start to feel more and more for him uh as the show goes on like this is his real family yeah yeah he's the he's the outcast of the posh world yeah exactly like he was just a loser and his and he's always trying to be cool and that's actually at first that's annoying and then it becomes sympathetic like just just relax man you got friends yeah you know and it's so i think great subversion of expectations that he and Josie end up together like I like how that that's so much better than having it be like Josie and Kingsley working out like some stupid sitcom mm-hmm. yeah I, yeah that was nice because it makes sense too right makes sense JP's good in bed and he's got one thing going for him they even had good sober sex I love the PowerPoint that he creates <laughs> when Josie have an own relationship. Compatibility, reliability. I can deliver a quality product time and time again. And convenience. I'm right Conven- here. I'm right there. <laughs> right down the hole. I also just the, the <laughs> now I want a different kind of PowerPoint. The PowerPoint in your pants. I <laughs> must warn you. That kind of talk massively turns me on. Well, <laughs> help me with your PowerPoint. <laughs> the wordplay. I want the PowerPoint in your pants. It's so dumb, but it's so funny. <laughs> That's so good. I feel yeah. like that comparable is uh, Vaught and Oregon's relationship on the girls' side to like JP and uh, JP and um, Kingsley. Who would you say the funniest girl is? Or that's uh, hard because they're all very they're all very funny. But who would you say is your least favorite character? Um. Well, I think honestly, like kind of going back to my point about like how she's mostly doing bad things than than good things, and until like the literally the very very end of the show, I'd probably say like oregon like i root for vod wanting to like power through and like take college or uni seriously and like graduate and like form her future even though she's like doing it a little too late i root for josie um to bounce back from getting kicked out of the dental program and just like being you know more mature about like her her situations and uh just wanted to be a better version of herself um and on top of that they're both they're both very funny and Oregon is funny but again like she doesn't do enough for me to want to like root for her so it just makes me like least favorite of the she's just she's can be a little too pretentious for my taste sometimes but I say that I'd still think she's very funny and I still do root for her they're Um, they're all funny but yeah it's just like it's uh, also kind of hard because a lot of them put themselves in situations as well where you just you're like why are you doing that to yourself like Josie cheats on her boyfriend and obviously he doesn't want to be with her boyfriend. He's an asshole. Yeah. But she's just putting herself in that situation, you know? And then Oregon too, just like having affairs is the same thing. But then Kingsley too is like Kingsley just puts himself in the stupidest situations. He's probably my least favorite. He's funny. Of of the whole house. Yeah. He's funny, but he's like, he's my least favorite just because he, it's so dumb. He also just does a great job at being the wannabe pretentious douchebag. Yeah. Like, but... especially about music and, like, his fucking killer playlists and, like, you know, and just, like, trying to make a playlist that describes himself. Like, so much shit that he... And a stupid fucking hat, Fedora. <laughs> Dude, his... So much love... stuff. There's his so much stuff patch. that he, like... The, the, the soul patch. Like, nobody my, likes. My 
probably my favorite thing is when you just have that seat, like when he starts dating the Italian lady who he finds out is Swiss and it bothers him so much that she's not Italian. He breaks like, so much about he, being Italian with her. Um, but like there's a scene where you see him driving a Vespa and oh it's the God, funniest yeah. goddamn thing to see him just constantly change character over and over again or just get like upset when things don't meet his expectation. He He's the character I think he has the highest expectations. Even mm-hmm. more than Oregon. Oregon's got expectations, but her Kingsley's expectations got... are all about herself, though. His is about everybody else. Exactly. And like, like when it, the best example of that is when like his girlfriend makes him a sandwich and doesn't put it on a fucking wooden board. And he's like, it tastes better on the wood. Like his expectations of shit is just insane. And I also love that her son is the one that just makes him completely go into a crisis of, uh, of decisions, you know, yeah. about school. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like the characters, they're very, very relatable. But if you look at it from an outside like perspective, if you don't watch the show, they do do a lot of things that maybe if you think about it, you're like, that's just fucking annoying. Like you would never do that. So again, testament to Jesse Armstrong's writing that like he can make those characters and decisions still, you still care about them. Even well, though yeah, you think about the first two seasons of Josie and everything that she, she did, whether to herself or to other, to other people. And then you think about like the last two seasons and how far along she's she's come. It's just like she was the quintessential quintessential mess in college, didn't know how to navigate it, didn't know what she wanted to do type of thing, and just like went too hard and now is like writing her wrongs. Yeah. So the and thought you is you like her and want her to do something and want her to do well. And each of them I would say kind of go through that. Um except for Vaud and, and Howard, who kind of almost have the opposite. Vaud is like trying to get her life together by being at school. And so from the beginning into the end is like t- seesawing back and forth between taking it seriously and not seriously. No, that and scene Howard, with her, her mom is was tough. Yeah. When, her, when the beast comes out. Yeah. That was, ooh, I forgot about that. That gave me chills. Yeah, exactly. Again, like a very, not a necessarily relatable but a thing that makes you feel for that character more in their situation and howard sorry got a sneeze howard has the exact opposite of needing to care more about friendships and relationships than just school uh, mm-hmm. and kind of getting out of just like he he has to grow up he's gone through multiple different degrees because he's just not willing to like join the real world right you know exactly um yeah, man, the more I think about this show, the more I think it's just, it's it was such a unique, perfect amount of television to me. Like, it's something that you can really, you can sit down, you can watch it, you won't get bored of it. There's not too much of it. There's no episodes that I really dislike at all. Yeah, There's no, it was a bad episode at all. No, no, they just really, they did they did it justice and they, they knew when to end it too. They knew how to end it and like, not end it cheesy by making everything great, but also not making them such horrible people that you don't want them to succeed anymore. Yeah. Um, there's very few TV shows like that. I talked to Cy and Emily recently. They just finished rewatching Fleabag. Fleabag is also almost just a perfect, perfect mm-hmm. show. Not a single great bad show. episode, not a single like wasted amount of space, just really, really well done. And I, I'm having a hard time finding Americans that can do that, man. Uh, well, there are, in terms of, in terms of quality over quantity, uh, the two shows that are finishing up on HBO right now that I'm watching, I would say are hitting that mark. Barry. Not varying in succession. Succession is Jesse Armstrong though. Yeah, no, but like, it's still an Americanized show. That takes place in New York. It's like it's no, I just mean writers wise. Murdoch fan. Oh, writing yeah. wise, like I the, mean, the, the, then Barry, like that that show is so tightly knit and so yeah, true, fucking well done. Yeah, like, I'm mind blown at the end of every episode every Sunday. I haven't watched uh, the new season yet, but I'm excited for it. Um, I definitely want to rewatch Fleabag, um, and I think that I guess the close one, although it did have some episodes that I thought eh, and even the ending, I still don't know how to feel about it. Was Wilfred? Um, that that's actually I didn't know this, but Jason Gann barely wrote any episodes. They really took that show in a different direction than his Australian version. Um, Interesting. And I think well, that I knew it, I knew it took it in a different version. I've watched both, 
but I I think that show is really really well done but the even then the ending to me feels a little strange like what the moral of that ending is is hard it is a very hard show to finish it's very emotional um and yeah, I, again the, i would the say la- the last season gets like gets tough tough not in a not in that it's bad <clears throat> tough is in like just how how much of a serious and dark tone it turns yeah yeah kind of accepting of who you are but also don't take lightly the issues that you're going through you got to like take those seriously it's a yeah. weird sh- it's a weird show so trying to find anything that even comes close to this for me is difficult fresh meat's the one that really just it resonates so well with like feelings i feel i've actually been recommending it to people who are going through harder times like my sister is having some issues with some friends or something and i was Jabo? like Jabo, yeah josie you ever sister. call her Jabo? No, but I will now. But so I even told her, like, you should watch the show because it's a it's a cathartic show. Like, it will help you get through things that you're going through and just see how to deal with some pretty, you know, hard situations. But it will also make you really appreciate friendship and laughter. Like, it it's just you feel so good at the end of how these characters just come away still being friends that will have a very will always have a very strong impact on each other's lives. Um, and I, I like that. Just poor Josie. She's going to have to sit on a tablet again every time they want to hang out. Yeah. Ah. And the rest of them are living together at least. <laughs> That's true. So um, I don't know if there's anything else to talk about. I mean, it's just a true, true recommendation. One of my favorites I've ever seen. It's fucking ledge, bro. Fucking ledge. Didn't talk about Timothy. Not much to talk no, about. Just watch sucks. the show. That's that's a, he sucks. His His name's hilarious. If you watch this show, you'll understand why. Yeah. Should and, get off uh, the pot, mate. Oh, we also, we also, um, I, again, not much. Oh, shut the fuck up. Um, we also didn't, not much to say about him, but a character who's very funny in the few episodes that he's in is, um, what's it, Dan, their geology Dan, professor. Dan, geology man. Yeah, great. <laughs> and he's from Peep Show. He's from the other, I think, Jesse Armstrong show, so. Yep. That's uh really yeah he's hilarious in that, um yeah. the the whole episode where they go on the the um the field trip might still be one of my favorite fucking episodes ever. Absolutely, it's so funny. Um, and I love how personal he takes it. Where like when JP wants to transfer to drama, yeah, uh, and he's just like he like can't talk to him. He needs to be like essentially wooed into like letting him come back and like be yeah. friends with him again. So it's so funny. Um, the other character that we did not give any time to, but I would really say his performance is just amazing, is Tony Shales. Oh, yeah. Tony Shales is, his performance is just so fucking funny. Um, even though he's a character that you really don't like. What's that actor's name? Tony uh, something. Tony Gardner. He is yeah. a, he's a riot and his uh when he cooks the whole turbot and he has like all those like uh oh fuck oh christ like he gets like really he's just a very good character and his arc is hilarious starts out as like a really respected teacher he has a line in there and where Oregon literally and their affair like ruins everything for him where he everything. lives he lives, he lives in, in a, a van. shitty trailer yeah like, van like in a parking <laughs> I love that his uh I love that Vaud fucks him over by like just giving him the wrong description of uh, that guy's um it's not uh, about his cock <laughs> yeah um <laughs> and then and then the other thing I love I I quote this still now but uh it's when he started um uh when he started uh the whole show he's got this line sorry I just got a text message I got distracted um he starts this line where he says you'll hear a lot of shit about me a lot of shittle tattle and I don't know why I just love that so much shittle tattle is such a funny way to describe like it's like tattle tale but I don't remember that line oh that's hilarious yeah he's also the only character on the show to say the name of the show fresh meat they walk in first minute of class he's right. like here come the fresh meat i like that he doesn't have any real other interactions with uh with the guys except oregon and vaude like no but like mm. in, he, when he lives in the house it's so awkward <laughs> and it's so funny oh man yeah no tony shales might be also my second favorite character in some some episodes he's just hilarious 
Absolutely. Total creep. Um, all right, Major man. My laptop's, my, my laptop's going to die, so I think we have to end this here. Well, everybody, it's on Prime for free. So watch the damn show, Fresh Meat. Be the Fresh best th- 30 episodes of your life, maybe. Is it only 30? Is it 30 episodes? Mm-hmm. 30 episodes, 40 minutes. It's really doable and it's really funny. Yeah. So enjoy. It's right. so ledge, mate. It's a fucking ledge, ledge. <laughs>